0: LinkedIn
1: presents. If you pay attention to to job descriptions, they don't always say a a degree is required. Most times they say a degree is preferred. So you want to always make sure you read the fine print on job descriptions to figure out whether or not you could be a fit for the job. Now, the other side of it is you have this platform called LinkedIn. And that's a place where you can start documenting and exposing the world to the things that you are doing because the reality is like whether you have a degree or not or you have a good or bad resume if you go on social media and project yourself as a a subject matter expert in anything like you're going to get a job and people are going to work very closely with you based on the information that you are providing them. no degree no problem any problem we can solve them keeps us we growing in the knowing, the wisdom is flowing. If you didn't know, now you know where I'm going.
0: Yeah. Welcome to another episode of the No Degree Podcast. I want to personally thank you for tuning in and supporting our show. If you haven't yet, hit that follow or subscribe button. I encourage you, don't keep this to yourself. Share these inspiring stories with your friends. Invite them to subscribe and connect with us on social media. So this is a very different episode of the No Degree Podcast. Today, I have on a special guest, Darius Robinson, aka Day One Darius. Darius is a FANG recruiter who has recruited many people. And today, we're going to dive in deep on how a person without a college degree can set themselves apart in the recruiting process so that someone like Darius will advocate them and move them forward.
1: Yes, so... Uh... My name is Darius Robertson, uh, day one Darius on LinkedIn. Um, born and raised here in Atlanta, Georgia. I have been in recruiting. Actually, this week makes 10 years. Wow. So, yeah, it's been 10 years of recruiting. So from tech, non-tech, people with high school diplomas, people with no degrees, people with master's degrees, people with PhDs, tech roles, non-tech roles, retail sales. Um, I've done it all. So. It's an honor and pleasure to be here today to talk more about how folks without degrees can be more successful in the recruiting process.
0: You know, one thing that I found is because I do a lot of resumes for people without degrees. And a lot of times people without degrees, they'll apply with bad resumes and then they'll be like, hey, it's my it's my lack of degree that's holding me back. But I always tell them if you don't have a degree and you have good work experience and you highlight your skills well, that's less of a barrier. You know, because oftentimes the degree is not. necessarily going to help certain things, especially in a technical field. If it's healthcare or some other industries that it's absolutely required, that's one thing. But for other areas, it's not. So, what are some things you advise people without degrees to do to set themselves apart?
1: I think you make a good point, right? Like that, your education is only like one line, maybe two, on a resume. What's most important is your experience. If you don't have a degree and you're looking for a job, like you still have work experience. So the better you're able to articulate your work experience will give you a better chance of, you know, landing that potential job interview. What I've seen people do is, especially in situations where they don't have degrees, they would like try to leave it off of their resume versus at least adding it to their resume. I've also recommended to people where like, it's all about how you word your resume that can help you, like let's say You know, I've worked with people in the past who were, they started college, but they weren't able to finish. And I think it's very important that even if you didn't finish, that you document on your resume that you were in school. It's not to say that you didn't finish or you can't finish, but you want to still document that information. The same thing goes for like experience. Like the better you're able to document your experience and articulate it will make it easier for the employer to potentially consider you for the position
0: your advice is spot on. Because if someone only has high school, I tell people, don't put it on because it just shows like, hey, you did not go to college,
1: right? right?
0: And then it's, if it's there, they're going to think about it, right? right? Whereas if it's not there, they're going to be like, oh, great experience. It's not a big deal. And I've worked with some people who didn't put it and people assume that they have a degree because their mm-hmm. work experience is so good. Exactly. Now, when you find a talented individual without a degree, how is it like for you?
1: It really depends on the role and the profile, right? Like I've recruited people who don't have degrees that were competing against folks who did. People without degrees actually fare out better because they have to work a little harder on their jobs because they don't have the education experience, I guess you could say. So I'm really just just thinking more about like, OK, based on the information that they provided, will this outweigh their them not having a degree. And what most people don't notice is that if you pay attention to to job descriptions, they don't always say a, a degree is required. Most times they say a degree is preferred. So you want to always make sure you read the fine print on job descriptions to figure out whether or not you could be a fit for the job. Now, the other side of it is you have this platform called LinkedIn, and, and that's a place where you can start documenting and exposing the world to the things that you are doing because the reality is like whether you have a degree or not or you have a good or bad resume if you go on social media and project yourself as a a subject matter expert in anything like you're going to get a job and people are going to work very closely with you based on the information that you are providing them And so I'm always a proponent of telling folks to get active on LinkedIn, even before you start searching for a new job, just so that that community can start to identify and see you. And you're also getting in front of the algorithm. Yeah. And community has
0: helped me get jobs. Your community will be there because the job search isn't easy. You're going to get rejected because I'm pretty sure sometimes there are just so many qualified applicants that it's not even like, here are five to 10 people qualified and the hiring manager chose one person for whatever reason, right? Mm -hmm. And other people think that I'm not good enough. But the fact is, is like, sometimes you missed out maybe on one little factor Mm -hmm. that that doesn't mean you're not good enough. It's that other people have to get rejected. And then there are other things that a lot of people don't realize is hiring is risk management, right? A lot of people don't realize, like, they also want to make sure that this person is going to stay at the company that they have to look at these risk factors and all that. Because I've seen some people who are like high level positions, like let's say they were CTO at a company and now they're applying as a developer, you're going to be like, okay, like, (laughs) are you looking for a temporary job and you're looking to leave? And that's something. So what are some things that a lot of people don't think about from a recruiter's point of view that they should know about because this knowledge will empower them so they can Mm -hmm. fix those things?
1: The first thing is like, a lot of times job postings are generic. They're like copy paste. The yeah. job was open a month ago, the job is open again. This copy paste. Not a lot of the information is changing. Number two, candidates aren't actually reading the job description. Yeah. They're not reading to see that do you meet the basic qualifications? No. Like if you don't meet the basic qualifications, you should not apply. Yeah. I I, I tell people all the time you would see a, a drastic reduction in rejection emails. If you actually read the job descriptions, there's no reason you should have a hundred applications out. Like, how did you find the time? Like a hundred applications? Like, let's go take a look at them. The third thing is recruiters don't always have time to review all of those applications. So just because you receive a rejection email doesn't actually mean that you were rejected. It just means that a couple of things. One, the position could have closed. Maybe they did hire someone like there's so many factors that you can't see on the back end that I think candidates forget about that. These are natural things, like you said, like you will get rejected. But my favorite quote that I love to tell people is like, you can never get rejected from a job if you don't apply for it. And what I mean by that is if you only apply to jobs that maybe people suggest you apply for, you're more likely to get a callback because you've already kind of confirmed the next step. If you just submit an application in hopes that someone will call you back, then that's what's going to happen. You're you're hoping versus kind of knowing what's the the next step.
0: And you bring up a great point. So many people don't read. For example, my friend was recruiting for a project manager. He got 297 applications. He said zero were qualified. The reason being, it was a construction project manager and all IT project manager applies. And again, (laughs) that's a unique case. But based on my experience, I've seen that 30 to 85% of applications can be not qualified because of experience, location, or some other required factors. What have you seen in your experience?
1: That's a good point. So, a lot of times when you're filling out a job application, they have like pre screening questions. So, based on your ability to answer those pre screening questions, you could be automatically disqualified. Yeah. So, for instance, let's say the job description, Um, is requiring you to have at least four years of experience in project management. And then you go to answer the question and you say you have two years of experience. Well, you've already kicked yourself out of the interview process. (laughs) Um, So that's one thing. The other part is like, I don't think people spend enough time, like, they're not reading, they're not understanding the job that they're applying for. So like, you might apply because it says construction project manager and think like, oh, wow, that's a great Opportunity for me. So, like, that's why so many people apply to the job versus like taking the opposite approach and saying, Hey, I would like to be a project manager for a fintech company in metro Atlanta. That's going to drastically limit my search. So now I'm not going to Google jobs and finding everything that's open. I'm actually identifying who are these companies? Where are they located? Like, This is a new thing that people aren't thinking were weren't thinking about until like over the last two years It's the commute. Who wants to drive from Alpharetta all the way down to the airport? Like you don't want to do that. Right. So you shouldn't apply to jobs that are in that area. Like you should really navigate and map out where you want to actually work so that you know what you're up against on the front. Now you can start to work backwards, identifying managers at those companies, going on LinkedIn and making connections and like doing intros and setting up job alerts as they become available. You mentioned a good
0: point. A lot of companies are moving full on-site or at least hybrid. How many more applications does a remote job get compared to like a
1: hybrid or on-site? <laughs> I mean, it's a hundred percent more. Like it's, it's a drastic difference when when people see remote and hybrid but these are things that, degree or not, that you should be figuring out before you apply to a job. Yeah. Because the last thing you want to do is apply to the position and get on, the, get to the phone interview. And then they say, hey, well, you know we'll need you to be here three days a week. Like, I don't want to interview anymore. Well, you kind of have to do your research before so you know these things.
0: And then a lot of people who are going for remote jobs, the fact is, is not, you got to look at the company right some companies have these policies you got to look at the departments and the roles which roles offer that now the people who have more experience and who have talents that are harder to find those companies are going to be like okay they're going to be more willing to expand it right whether it's right or wrong that's a separate issue at the end of the day they have a job if you're looking for a job you have to think about where do you sit what skills you have and what companies will take that and maybe you may have to go to a startup or another type of company so there's always a trade off and again when you're applying for a remote job, you're competing with a much larger applicant pool. Exactly. And you have to really think about these things. Now, what have candidates really messed up on? I see a lot of recruiters and candidates don't realize is there are people who don't show up to interviews. There are people who don't do that. And they don't realize that recruiters have to worry about this, right? They have to worry about, is this person going to show up? Is this person going to be professional? And the thing is, recruiters get ghosted too. So can mm-hmm. you go more into that?
1: Yeah. So you're, you're speaking more of like the interview process per se. Yeah. So you've applied, you're getting involved. I'm dealing, actually interacting with the candidate. Uh, a couple things. The first is lying on a resume, like not being able to speak to your skills. Like people get resumes and like, they don't realize like you should be able to articulate what you actually did. And they're not always able to do that. Preparedness. Like that's a very big thing, especially at the company I work for. Like, I've seen how many people fail the interview because they are not prepared. You know, interviewing here is all about being prepared. It doesn't matter what fame company you come from, where you graduated from, if you have a degree or not. It's how prepared are you to articulate your skills through a behavioral interview process or through a technical interview. And I don't think people spend enough time doing that, preparing to interview, because that one piece is going to make a break whether or not the company selects you. So, degree or not, good resume, terrible interview, no job. It always equals the same. Like, you have to prepare. And by prepared, I mean, like, do your research. If you want to work at a company, like, you want to understand the interview process. Because what I have seen is, you know, a lot of times companies are running these special programs. So, we have programs that we look for people like that is a requ- is a basic requirement we look for people without degrees that want to become software engineers or work in other technical roles like that is a program we we have and all big tech companies have them now you still would need to go through the interview process so imagine you know your dream company was a place like google and you just finish up like a coding boot camp and you're all excited And you find out about the program that Google offers. So you immediately apply. You meet the qualifications and then a recruiter calls you and says, hey, we want you to take this assessment and you don't know anything about it. And what do you do? You go and fail the assessment because you didn't know that that was required. And so now your hopes and dreams of working at Google have been dwindled for either six months to a year because you were not prepared and you didn't do your research. So doing your due diligence is very important. And I think that's where I've seen, you know, candidates mess up the most. Outside of that, like not showing up to interviews, not so much because it's been virtual. But in the past, I've had to deal with that.
0: Now, if someone doesn't show up, how do they recover? I find that is, do they have to communicate, let you know? Because I find that you can recover as long as you communicate with the recruiter and let them know. And you can't say an hour after the interview, like,
1: My car broke down. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, we've been in a virtual climate for, like, the last two years. So, like, I haven't had really an issue with people not showing up. Any event that they have, it's primarily been due to, like, COVID. But, like you said, like, any event that you are late or or might miss an interview is best to communicate, communicate, communicate. Not only let them know that you can't make it or you need to reschedule, provide times and dates of when you're available to, to cut out the like back and forth email exchange. So you
0: mentioned lying on a resume. How do people get caught? Because, you know, these people, I see people (laughs) put wild stuff on the resume. I'm like, everything you put on your resume is fair game. If something's not on your resume, you can say, Hey, I don't have experience with that. But if you say, Hey, I have experience with AWS EC2, I have experience Mm -hmm. with Google Cloud, and they ask you a question and it's clear, you don't know. What's Mm going to happen is they're just not going to trust everything. So what are some scenarios that you've seen people like lie about?
1: Exactly that. Like, you know, they put all these skills and like, they put all the buzzwords on their resume. And then when you start to ask them about the buzzwords, they can't, they can't speak to it. I've seen people lie about their education. So at some companies, some companies don't require, like they don't do like education background checks, but some do like at my last company, We had like three or four people who they lied on their resume and said that they had a degree. And we found out that they didn't.
0: Like during the background check you found out or later when they started working?
1: During the background check. So certain companies have education verification tools. Um, Others don't. But once again, this goes back to doing your research and understanding what policies companies have in place. Um, I had a friend who had a DUI and was looking for like a sales job and was struggling because they didn't know like certain sales roles require, they give you like a vehicle. But if you have a DUI on your record, then they can't hire you because it's too much of a risk. Yeah. So it took him, it was probably about six months before he realized it because somebody had just randomly told him. So there's little things like that, that this is outside of a resume, like yeah, that people might not think about the, but that are factors that you might want to consider when you're going out applying for jobs.
0: Yeah. No, I mean, so many things that people don't realize i know that some people don't realize that there are drug tests are all that so it's like you don't want to go through a whole process and you yep. have to do research. i always tell people look when you're interviewing you have to make sure that you think about these things like they, they check the background because you don't want to go through the interview and you don't want to ask them hey how thorough is your background check that's like a red flag like what do you do about it's like okay i think we need to do an extra background check on you
1: yeah yeah. Background checks are another thing. You know, I've seen some people who when I was screening them, like those were things that they were asking it up front. Like, you know, what types of health care do you provide? You know, they were asking about child care because these are factors that I don't think candidates spend enough time thinking about because they're not in those situations. But it's something you should be more you should do more due diligence to understand if that company is a place you want to be. Versus is that job a, do I, it's like, the first thought should be, do I want to work at this company? Based on that information, do I want to work in this role? Because the company benefits and the culture is going to outweigh the job, especially if you get there and you don't like it. What can a candidate do to make your life easier? Do your homework, like do your due diligence, know what you're applying for, be prepared. I see that's the biggest thing. Just prepare for the interview. Like know why you applied to the job, why you want this job, why you want to work for the company. Because that, that also just lets the, the company know how serious you are about wanting to be um, with the company.
0: Have you seen candidates really mess it up? Like they're close to offer stage and they do things that it's like, hey, this is a huge
1: red flag. Yeah. I mean, I've I've worked with candidates so interviewing at my company like it's very important we use like behavioral interviewing and the star method and there have been so many cases where i've worked with candidates and they failed to complete this like like worksheet that I, I give them they have it all figured out like they come from these big tech companies they have the experience so they feel that they can walk into the interview and just crush it by just you know kind of walking through it until I've had several cases where candidates just just didn't do it, and they came back all not inclined because they weren't able to get through the behavioral portion of the interview.
0: Yeah, because a lot of times people think like, "Hey, I'm this hot shot," and the fact is, you could be a hot shot, but if your attitude isn't good and you're not professional, it doesn't matter how good you are. As right. people know, toxic people they just bring down whole teams.
1: I wouldn't say it's that type of that it's not that they're not professional or that they don't care. I think it's sometimes in people's in their mind, they think that maybe you've interviewed at other companies and you can like get away with that approach to preparing, but it doesn't work here. You know, I mean, I'm pretty sure it's the same at all fame companies. Like this is the process that you will be required to go through and yeah, just kind of figuring out along the way what wouldn't really help you. Now, what are some
0: things that you've seen candidates like do to set themselves apart that you're like, wow, this is someone that, Hey, they weren't necessarily the top candidate, but like, Hey, this really shows that their willingness to learn and that we want to take a chance on them.
1: Yes. So I think what I've seen the most, like when you talk about standing out is when you get on the phone with them and they already know all the answers, like they're asking me questions about our hiring, like, compensation, location, like they've already done their due diligence. That really sets them apart. Another thing, sending follow-up emails after the interview. I mean, I've even done this myself personally. Like a lot of times during the interview, you might forget what you wanted to say. And then you realize like, oh, I forgot to say this. And so I've seen candidates actually who are not going to be inclined by submitting that information They actually ended up getting the job because they they thought about it a little more and they sent the information. The other thing is just sending thank you notes, you know, adding folks on LinkedIn, tell them, you know, hey, I enjoy speaking with you and just, just making that connection.
0: Good tips to know. Now, let's talk about like total comp and salaries. Like, what are some salaries that you've seen people without degrees get? Obviously, there are people who pass six figures. Have you seen them get like some of the higher salaries, like oh, two, three yeah, hundred?
1: No. Oh, yeah, definitely. Like we pay very well, degree or not, like your ability to perform in our interview process determines, well, an interview, any job interview, like you're compensated first based on your experience, second based on your ability to interview. People who interview very well are normally compensated in the same format. People with great experience who don't interview well aren't compensated well. So your interview is kind of this, the, the breaking point of like, where you kind of fare out. Your experience is more so what gets you to interview. Your ability to interview really can determine how much you're compensated.
0: What are some like misconceptions people have about like the interview process? And this is more for people earlier in their career because I find people later oh. in their career know these things, but what are some like fatal mistakes that it's because just they don't know, right? It's their first, maybe first professional job, right? They went to
1: college. Yeah, I think the biggest misconception is They don't do their research. Like, they don't know what they're up against. They see the job, they like the job, they take the interview. What they are failing to do is figuring out a lot of other factors on the front end. Like, what is the interview process? What does it entail? Maybe you need to do some practice interviews. Like, I have friends who, when they get into what they call interview mode, they take interviews just to interview. Like, they have zero desire in working for the company. They just want to kind of go through the process. Um, so folks early in the career, I would just say they don't spend enough time really understanding what they're up against. I think would be the main thing.
0: How long do these processes usually take? Like someone's interviewing, what's the reasonable time frame or like an average time frame that you've seen?
1: I mean, now that we're virtual, like I've seen interviews go from one, maybe two weeks. But it really just depends on the company. Some companies have four or five rounds of interviews. Other companies have one round of interviews. Some companies hire you on the spot. So I've seen people, you know, it took them three months, six months to finally get the job. One of my buddies, he just finally got a job at Google. He's been interviewing for two years. Wow. <laughs> yeah. The way Google interviews, it's like they have like this matching process. Yeah. So I, obviously it's not the same for everybody, but I have a couple friends that I know personally, They they waited for an extended period of time. Other companies like at Amazon, they have what they call a a two and five promise. So with the two and five, it basically means that, you know, within two business days of your first round of interviews, if you're being invited to the final round and, you know, within five business days of your final round, if they're going to offer you the job.
0: Yeah. I mean, that's good. I I think it should be quick. And, you know, about Google, I know I have a friend who went through like 15 rounds and then it was different teams and it was like, hey, oh, this team lost budget oh, this team hiring freeze. Things happen, right? Like in the beginning, things are good. And all of a sudden, a division gets shut down. They got to reallocate internal employees. I knew someone at another company where I think it was like Microsoft, where Mm -hmm. a person, they stopped internal hires. So she was interviewing and they were like, hey, we're stopping internal moves and all that just because (laughs) going through a lot of changes. And unfortunately, if they're stopping internal moves, they're also stopping external moves. And they weren't doing at that time, like they weren't doing backfills, So someone left, they couldn't like replace the role. So things get very complicated. And I think you have to know the the nature of the game and especially during the time, right? Like oftentimes a lot of these companies are doing it at the same time because a lot of them have competing products, right? Like Mm -hmm. Amazon has AWS, Microsoft has Azure, Google has Google Cloud, right? They have advertising divisions. They have enterprise divisions. And so a lot of times these are tied, right? Like when enterprise does bad, all these companies do bad.
1: You make a good point because I think that kind of ties into that concept of getting active on LinkedIn where like the more information you have, the better your chances of of landing the interview. So like, and I actually wrote an article about this, but basically the thought process is like instead of applying to the job and waiting for someone to like reach back out to you, You can like bypass the the process by going on LinkedIn. So let's say, for instance, I don't have a degree. I just finished boot camp at Flatiron, right? And I want to go work at Amazon. Okay, so I start applying to a bunch of jobs and hoping they call me back. But what I could do is I could go on LinkedIn and I could find folks who are software engineers that graduated from Flatiron who work at Amazon or work at Google or work at Microsoft. And I could send them a note and say, "Hey, I just finished boot camp. Would love to learn more about your experience. How you made it to a big tech company? No application required. Now I can find out what's the interview process. What was your experience? Do you like it here? And then when it's time to apply, they can refer me. And when they refer me, they actually are compensated. So everybody wins. You get the job at the big tech company. I also get a referral bonus. So it, it you know it works out for everyone.
0: Yeah, I mean referrals are a good way. And the big thing is you get." actual research specific to the company Mm -hmm. every company has different things has different processes has different timelines like i got a referral to someone for like a fang type company and i saw the application i said hey can you give me a referral and the person let me know hey there's actually an internal candidate that this posting was for had i not known i would have just waited waited and all that so these are things that you can find out. And I remember I got a referral to another company. This person told me everything about the department. They told me about the one guy they fired. They told me about the processes. They told me about their problems. So now when I go to interview, I have stories that can talk Mm -hmm. about their problems. I can focus on the experiences that will set me apart that shows that I add value.
1: Exactly. And like, that's the hack, right? Like I always give this example of like this company that's hiring an administrative assistant. So There are two people, John and and Carl. So John applies to the job and John has all the right experience, right? He's he's worked at all the big tech companies. He's been an executive assistant over at Amazon. He's worked at Google. And so John goes into the interview. And the reason the position is open is because they need somebody who's very good with PowerPoint. John goes into the interview and talks about all the things that he's great at. And during the interview, they say, hey, John, how good are you with PowerPoint? I suck at PowerPoint. I don't know anything about it, but I can make you a good spreadsheet. So Carl comes to the interview. Carl's friend works for the company. So Carl asks his friend, like, why is this job open? Well, the person that they recently had um, found another job. When that person was their go-to for PowerPoint. So I'm not sure how well you know PowerPoint, but you better be ready to talk about it. And Carl has... No degree. Carl's just out here trying to figure it out. Not a lot of experience, but he actually knows a little bit about PowerPoint. Carl goes to the interview and actually makes a PowerPoint. Who do you think got the job? Carl. Exactly. So experience doesn't matter. Once you start getting that inside information, it makes it a lot easier for you to produce during the interview. And then the other thing is now when you go to interviews and you have that extra edge, like a lot of people
0: don't realize like, hey, find that edge. Right. Yep. Find things that, hey, you know that companies use PowerPoint. If you're really good yep. at PowerPoint, you could share what you did on LinkedIn. Like, hey, here's a PowerPoint. on, And you can make a PowerPoint about anything. But if they see yep. it like, oh, wow, these slides are nice. These slides are whatever. Exactly. Cool. Your spreadsheets, right? Go into spreadsheets. Talk about how you save time. But know the value and know the X factor. Like, hey, I have all these skills, but here's the X factor that I have yep. more experiencing that someone can't just go on Google and just realize that, yeah, people think like, oh, PowerPoint. PowerPoint goes deep, man. Like, I've seen some crazy slides. i see some crazy yeah. transitions. And if you go yeah. in and you have a PowerPoint ready and you have the transitions and you have the timing, you have all that yeah. stuff down, you have the brand colors, you're going to be different.
1: Exactly. No degree required.
0: <laughs> now, what are some challenges that you've seen people without degrees face because you work with the hiring manager? Because I know while the recruiter can advocate As much as they want, if the hiring manager says, hey, I'm looking for this. I need someone with a degree. What are some challenges? What are some challenges you've seen? On the candidate
1: side or from the hiring manager side?
0: Well, from the hiring manager side because I know sometimes you'll tell the hiring manager, hey, look, you're asking for this and at this salary range, I'm not going to be able to find. Or, hey, there are some good candidates without degrees, but you're saying must have a degree. Is this open? Have you had those conversations?
1: Honestly, not really. Okay, I haven't had a lot of those conversations. I can't say that And this is just coming from the lens that I, yeah, what I recruit at at my company, which is software engineers. They're not really interested in whether or not the candidate has a degree. It's more so do they have the experience? Yeah. Like, do they have enough experience to really, you know, be able to produce the type of code at the type of speed that we require? So,
0: Mm, okay. What are some extra things that candidates can do? Like, do certifications like if they don't have a degree and they went to bootcamp? Do certifications help? Do projects help? Does something like open source help? What are some extra um, things that they can do?
1: GitHub is a great place. And I'll I just speak to like specifically software engineering candidates. Yeah. Certifications are great. I think they're a good stepping stone. I think bootcamps are great too. I think what's more important is like your curiosity. Like, are you getting this certification? Or are you going to this bootcamp so that? You can get a job at a big tech company, or did you get this certification because, like, you really want to dive deeper into, or did you go to the boot camp so that, like, you really actually have a passion for coding, like you really have a passion for problem solving, and based on those factors, that will help you find the next job. I was speaking with uh, Anthony Mays about this, about like how people. Once they finish the camp, like they want to just jump to the big tech companies. But a lot of times people don't realize like what that actually means, like what does it mean to work in these places? Because you might learn that your ability to problem solve consistently at that speed, it might be better to look at a smaller company because it would give you more time to learn and grow versus, you know, running too fast and, you know, getting in over yourself, like like keep the job. Because you can't, you can't code fast enough. So things like that.
0: And I've seen people who come to me, he's like, hey, I want to work at these four companies. And I look at their experience and I'm like, look, has someone gotten in with your experience? Yes. But you have to think about it's tough competition. And I've also seen some people where they're not necessarily working at the moment or it's early in their career. And I tell them, look, you spend six to eight months and you're not getting in. Had you chosen another company, that's six to eight months of experience that you would have gotten. And now mm-hmm. you would have been in a better position. So you have to really think about how realistic, and I'm saying try, but don't only try for a few specific companies because there's so many factors. And sometimes it's just luck. Like, hey, Monday morning, you see this applicant and it's there that you don't need to look at other applicants. And yeah. it's just timing, right? It's just, it happens.
1: And I, I think... Once again, this is where LinkedIn comes back into play. Like what I would do if I was going to a, a full sale for boot camp, right? On day one, I would start adding engineers and managers from all the big tech companies. And every day I would go on LinkedIn and I would make a post about what I learned. And I would make sure I'm posting on GitHub every single day. So what happens at the end of my six months? I build a network of all these software engineering managers that have been literally following me on my journey to become a software developer. And so what do I do at the end of all this? I go onto LinkedIn and I say, hey, I just graduated from Full Sail and I'm looking to go work at a big tech company. Who do you think is going to see that? All these managers that have been following you for the last six months. And you don't even have to apply, they comment below. Yeah.
0: Now the other thing is, how many people are reaching out to your inbox? And this is why LinkedIn is important because I get so many messages. I'm not even like a big tech recruiter and I only recruit part-time, but I'll get people like, hey, I want a job at your company. Here's my experience, blah, blah, blah. Here's my resume. And I'm upfront. I'll be like, look, you see it that I write resumes. You haven't done any research. I'm just like, hey, look, I get so many of these messages. I honestly can't remember you. I physically can't. Like I- (laughs) I talk with a lot of people and I know you talk with even more yes. people that you physically can't. Yes. However, if I see someone who's posting, who's supporting my content, who's that, and they make a post, I'm going to go reach out. So it's like, mm-hmm. how many people reach out to someone like you on a weekly basis? Oof,
1: man, this is crazy. I get so many messages. A hundred plus? hundred Two hundred plus? I mean, I probably, it depends on my activity, but I mean, I at least get about 10, 12 messages a day. Yeah. But they're all the same. Yeah. like, It's super copy-paste. Hey, I just graduated from school. I'm looking for a job at Amazon. Here's my resume. Delete. Is Amazon hiring right now? Is Google hiring right now? Is Microsoft hiring right now? Like, what? (laughs) So what I do... People ask that and I'm like, (laughs) if you're
0: sending a message and you're going to be like, hey, let's say you recruit at Google, you're going to be like, hey, I saw this software engineering position with job ID XYZ, with mm-hmm. that, it's asking for, here. here's what I bring to the table that's relevant to the job. If you need my resume, I've attached it here. I'd like to have a conversation.
1: I actually have a rule. Like, this sounds crazy, and I have a rule. If you send me, I know a lot of people are going to see this, so I'm going to get a lot of messages, but whatever. But if you send me a open job that you meet the qualifications for, I would forward that information to the recruiter. And I've seen 10 people get a job since I started Amazon. Just doing that. Yeah. I don't I don't I don't say anything about it. I just literally copy paste the message and I just ping the recruiter. And I've seen 10 people get a job.
0: That's amazing. And you know the the interesting thing is it's just that you don't have to do the craziest amount of effort. As long as you do a little more than everybody else. And everybody else, they watch these videos on TikTok. They tell them, oh, message 50 or 100 recruiters. One of them is going to respond. And yeah, one of them can respond. But now what happens is the other ones are not going to vouch for you in the future. The other ones are not going to remember you. And you got to think about the long term that, Mm
1: -hmm. you know, you got to focus on building those relationships. I know this sounds crazy, but I tell people not to reach out to recruiters. And the only reason I say this is because recruiters are gatekeepers. Yeah. don't know what the recruiter is actually recruiting on or if they're actually doing any recruiting (laughs) based on this economy. (laughs) Um, But the the other side of it is like, find people that you have things in common with at companies that you desire to work for. So back to my example from earlier, you're going to Full Sail. You can go on LinkedIn and find people who graduated from Full Sail that work at big tech companies and just start adding and connecting with them because you have something in common. Yeah, no, that goes a long way.
0: I tell people like building those genuine relationships and someone else has told me that too. Like, yeah, you can network with recruiters, but recruiters talk to so many people every day that it's just not feasible for them to remember you unless you have something deeper in that you've interacted with them. Network with the hiring managers, network with other people because they're going to be closer to hiring. They're going to know that and recruiters just get so many things. And the other thing is it's like recruiters have to also be fair that they can't just do all referrals, right? Companies don't only hire referrals. And sometimes the referrals are just not enough, right? That Mm -hmm. there's so many roles that you're hiring for 40 roles. It's yeah, maybe you could get a few referrals, but you also need to source outside.
1: Yeah. And I mean even outside of that, like when you're when you start to think about a, a requisition being opened, like if the director has a meeting with his leadership team and in a meeting they say, hey, we need to go hire a hundred more engineers. So the talent acquisition team is not always in the room. Most time, they aren't. They leave the meeting. They go meet with the TA folks and say, "Hey, we need to go hire 100 en- engineers. Let's get the ball rolling." Now, think about it. What if you were somebody who was connected with that one of those leaders, and in that meeting, they say, "Hey, we need to hire 100 engineers." Like, does anyone come to mind? Oh, I already know this person. Okay, let's go ahead and put them in the interview process and we'll get those hundred requisitions open. You're moving ahead, like you're staying ahead of the pace even before the job is actually made public.
0: Yeah, no, that goes a long way. So it's like build those relationships. And you know, what's interesting, like one time people reach out to me, right? Because I work at a company and I have a lot of free resources. So if, when someone reaches out to me and they're like, hey, I went through your resources and I applied the changes, I want to work for your company. Now they've advocated for themselves. I'm going to advocate for them. Sometimes mm-hmm. people will come to me and I'll be like, hey, I'll be honest. Your resume is not up to par. You need to do X, Y, Z. It's clear that they haven't done their research. They don't know I have a podcast. They don't know I do all that. And then I remember one time someone reached out and I was like, hey, I actually just got rejected. I actually got, just got laid off uh-huh. from the company. And one person, no response. And then I knew Mm -hmm. that person was just transactional. Another person was like, oh, really? Oh, I'm so sorry. Hey, what type of job are you looking for? And he gave me a referral and an intro to someone else. So I was like, yo, I told him, I was like, hey, this is who you got to contact about this job. Same thing. People don't necessarily just want to refer every random person in their inbox because they don't want someone to be like, Darius told me to reach out and then they don't have emotional intelligence, right? I've had some people who I'm like, I can't have you reach out. You don't know how to hold a conversation Exactly. I don't want you knowing the inbox because I've seen some candidates that they sent. Someone told me, one of my coworkers told me, there was a candidate who's, who's sending a message every few hours. Wow! Like, you know, I get these messages. Like, I don't respond right away. to like, hello, are you there? I was like, dude, like, I have a job. <laughs> I have things. I have other messages. Like, you can't send a message and then five minutes later be like, are you there? And then that's not someone I want to work for because I don't want to teach someone the basics of professionalism, the basics of communication. Right. If you act like a child, I don't want to have to do that.
1: No, I mean, you You make a good point, because it's like a lot of times what I struggle with the most is people just really don't know exactly what they want to do. They say, hey, I want to be a software engineer. OK, well, what kind? Well, I'm full stack. OK, well, great. Like, what are your preferred languages? Everything. Oh, I can do Java. I can do C++. I can do sh- you name it, HTML. OK, great. So do you prefer, like, front end or back end? Oh, no, I just like the full stack. Okay, which one are you better at? I'm not good at either one of them. But. <laughs> what? What do you like to build? I can build anything. Like, I'm a software engineer. All wrong answers. And, Very wrong. And answer.
0: you know, it's interesting. That I've talked to a lot of people on Twitter. They say, most people say full stack doesn't exist. A lot of boot camps will yeah. touch little things. But the fact is, unless you have a lot of experience it's hard to become full stack just because each thing has its own intricacies. The other thing is it's not efficient. Like, Hey, if I need someone for backend, I'm gonna look for someone who knows backend. If I need someone who knows front end, I need someone who's front end. If I have an issue and my thing is in C++, that's what I'm going to look for. And exactly. that's what people have to realize. It's like, Hey, know a little bit, right? You learn from boot camps, you yep. learn a little, but then you have to focus on, Hey, which one am I going to commit to? And the fact is you can always learn new things in the future. And it's easier to learn new things in the future, but you got to focus on something. And what I tell people is, hey, you're not sure what language to commit to? Go on Indeed. Go on LinkedIn. Put Python in quotes. How many jobs pop up in the last week? Put C++ in quotes. Put the different languages and then see. And then Mm -hmm. the other thing is you have to see what I would recommend. See which jobs are local to you Mm -hmm. because... Yes, go for the remote jobs, but let's say it doesn't work out. You also want to have the ability to go local, and this is something a lot sure. of people don't do. Maybe your city has more back end stuff because of the agencies focused around. There's so many factors, and I
1: think that's that's the thing. Is like at the very beginning of your job search, like you, you, want, you want to what I consider find your focus. Like be very clear in two sentences. What are you actually looking to do? You know, and you can use something like Chat GTP to kind of put your thoughts. On the, in the computer and, and see what comes of it because the better you're able to articulate exactly what you want, the easier it will be for you to land a job. The less you can articulate exactly what you want, the harder it will be. And it, it makes perfect sense. If I walk up to someone and I say, hey, I would love to be a technical recruiter focused on identifying software engineers, software development managers, technical program managers at a big tech company that's hybrid. Maybe two, three days a week in office in Atlanta, or the person A is just very clear. The job title, the types of positions to recruit on, the location, things like that. Well, as person B walks up and just says, "Hey, you know, I was just laid off. I'm, I'm looking for technical recruiting jobs." Go type it in on Google. Yeah, how <laughs> many jobs are open? <laughs> um, so you know, it, it's things like that. I think. People should spend a little more time doing, especially while you, you're getting your resume built. Yeah, so a little effort goes a long way, and no effort goes the wrong
0: way. So <laughs> I really want to thank you for your time, for giving the perspective of a, someone who's recruited for over that's just ten years. You're going to be over yep. ten years by the time this episode releases, and just kind of giving <laughs> the intricacies of you know people from multi backgrounds. So thank you so much for your time, Day One Darius. Follow him on LinkedIn and look. If any of you send a message, say you listen to the podcast, but it better be good because if you send the message (laughs) and you you reference the podcast and it's not good, I'm going to have Darius screenshot the message to me. Thanks for having me. I really enjoyed it. Another great episode. Thank you for listening. Hopefully this information was valuable and you learned a lot. Stay tuned for the next episode. This show is sponsored by you. No degree wants to remain free from influence so that we can talk about the topics without bias. If you think the show is worth a dollar or two, please check out our Patreon page. Any amount is appreciated, and we'll go towards making future episodes even better. Follow us on Instagram or Snapchat at No Degree Podcast. On Facebook at facebook.com slash no degree, I-N-C. If you want to personally reach out to me, connect or follow me on LinkedIn at Junaid Iqbal, spelled J-O-N-A-E-D, last name I-Q-B-A-L. Until next time, no degree. No problem. NoDegree.com.